Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya I feel the cold air now. It's working. Okay. Om Ajnanatimarandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha So we are continuing our study of the Srimad Bhagavatam. I sent out the wrong verses originally, I sent the, uh, but I sent the right ones out um, recently. And we are on Canto 4, Chapter 20, right? And we just finished 27. So we're on 28. And so Lord Vishnu has appeared in the sacrificial arena of Maharaj Prithu. How wonderful. My dear Lord of the universe, the goddess of fortune Lakshmi is the mother of the universe. And yet I think that she may be angry with me because of my intruding upon her service and acting on that very platform to which she is so much attached. Yet I am hopeful that even though there is some misunderstanding, you will take my part, for you are very much inclined to the poor, and you always magnify even insignificant service unto you. Therefore, even though she becomes angry, I think there is no harm for you, because you are so, uh, you are so self-sufficient that you can do without her. <laughs> Hmm. I didn't highlight this, but this is such an amazing <laughs> statement. <laughs> right? um, of course, we don't think Lakshmi Devi would actually... Well, of course, you know, sometimes if uh, someone might feel some... A devotee may feel some transcendental... Um, I don't know, anger is the right word, but if someone impe impedes their service to Krishna... Right? They might feel some, uh, hey, you know, get out of my way. <laughs> of course, you have to be careful about that, right? The, uh, the spider that, was it a spider? In Lord Ram's, uh, yeah. Sometimes spider, sometimes a squirrel, right? But anyway, the little animal who was uh, helping Lord Ram build the, uh, the bridge to Lanka and was just taking little pieces of, like pebbles, not even pebbles, but like almost like sand-like sizes, right? And trying to build a bridge with that. And Hanuman was like, get out of the way. You know, uh, I got important service to do here. And Hanuman's taking these huge boulders, right? Um, but Lord Ram chastised him, right? That uh, you're doing, you're serving me to your full capacity. And this squirrel, spider, uh, both start with an S, uh, is serving me to his full capacity. And so in my eyes, it, it is equal. Of course, Lakshmi never leaves the uh, lotus feet, uh, the uh, chest of Lord Krishna. Oh, unless she's at his feet, right? Hmm. But um, 
it's interesting here that Prithu, it, it's, 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 it seems more of a rasa than anything else, right? He's saying that, he's saying, I know you will take my side, right? Of course, how, how, how do we know if Vishnu is going to take Prithu's side or Lakshmi Devi's side? But um, it's, it's a very kind of wonderful um, exchange that's going on here between Prithu Maharaj and uh, Lord Vishnu. Some thoughts on this? Yes, Jeeva Tapurbu. Hare Krishna. So it's very interesting. He says that you are much inclined to the poor. Right. And other places I have uh, read where Shira Prabhupada has written about Daridra Narayan concept, right? right? Means people should not think that Narayan is Daridra Narayan. Means like he's only, you know, with in the heart of a poor. He's actually everywhere. Even Goddess Lakshmi serves right. him. So he's everyone's Narayan. But it's very interesting that how Prithum Maharaj is placing his plea that in such conflicting situation, please be merciful to right. me. And of course he's not poor. Of course, compared yes. to the goddess of fortune, he may, not, he may be poor because Lakshmi has all the wealth, right? Uh, but, um, you know, he was a big king. Um, you know, there, there's always in the Shastra and in Srila Prabhupada's statements, there's different angles of vision that one can look at something. So one could also quote Jamaishvaya Shuti Shribir, that uh, Krishna, it's very difficult for a person who is in an opulent situation to feelingly call out to the Lord. So different uh, statements are there in different places to emphasize different things. Yes. So we'll go on to text 29. Great saintly persons who are always liberated take to your devotional service because only by devotional service can one be relieved of the illusions of material existence. O oh my Lord, there is no reason for the liberated souls to take shelter at your lotus feet except that such souls are constantly thinking of your feet. My dear Lord, what you have said to your unalloyed devotee is certainly very much bewildering. The allurements you offer in the Vedas are certainly not suitable for pure devotees. People in general, bound by the sweet words of the Vedas, engage themselves again and again in fruitive activities, enamored with the results of their actions. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that Prithimaraj therefore says that the allurement of material benedictions is another trap to entangle one in this material world. He therefore frankly tells the Lord that the Lord's offerings of benedictions in the form of material facilities are certainly causes for bewilderment, a pure devotee is not at all interested in bhukti or mukti. So, this uh, is a uh, important point that um, ultimately we 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 have so we're so conditioned in this world to think that if we're comfortable, if we have money, if we uh, are successful, if we get that uh, promotion at work, then everything will be hunky-dory, everything will be fine. Um, and for most people, that's kind of, uh, you know, um, the extent of the goal of a person's life to, you know, to do such things. They may have some religiosity and things, but um, when one actually develops a relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, with Lord Krishna, um, the other things just become like not very important. Um, Prabhupada writes, uh, when the Lord appeared before Dhruva, Dhruva told him, my dear Lord, because I engaged in your devotional service with great austerity and penances, 
I am now seeing you, whom even great demigods and sages have difficulty seeing. Now I am pleased and all my desires are satisfied. I do not want anything else. I was searching for some broken glass, but instead I have found a great and valuable gem. Thus Dhruva Maharaj expressed his full satisfaction and refused to ask anything from the Lord. So the problem is that we don't have that conviction yet that, um, that if, I, if I was fully surrendered to Krishna, he would take care of me and I would be fully satisfied, fully satisfied. And because we don't have that conviction yet, we're not fully surrendered. You know, we have a foot in both boats, so to speak. Right? Because it's... Um, but here, but if we can learn from the realization of others, like Dhruva Maharaj, he, want, he, he had so many material desires, big, much bigger than our desires. We might want a Tesla, but he wanted a planet. <laughs> you know, uh, we might want, you know, to be respected by others and, you know, um, distinct from other people. Uh, but he, he, was, he wanted a place bigger than his grandfather, Lord Brahma, right? And what was his realization? That the, all those things were like broken glass compared to the most valuable gem. And this is a, this is a motif, a, a point that comes across also with Sanatana Goswami and the touchstone. Right? That the person said, I heard you have a touchstone that if you did touch it, everything turns to gold. Yeah, it's over there in the, in the, in the pile of uh, garbage over there someplace. And the man's like running after it. And then he says, wait a second. If it's in the garbage, what does he have that's so much more valuable than that? Right? Now most of us would probably want both. Right? We would love to have the touchstone. And we, of course we would build a big temple for Krishna. We'd do all kinds of things. Um, but the point was that Sanatana Goswami had something so much more valuable. So what's incumbent upon us um, is not so much the rejection of material things, but the attraction and acceptance of our spiritual relationship with Krishna. Srimati Radharani and Sitaram, Lakshman Hanuman, and Gornitai. Um, because then automatically those other things become, uh, fall into place. Right? Um, and what's really missing in our life is... Uh, a loving relationship with God. So, it's, so it takes some training, you know, just like uh, um, the uh, basketball uh, final, semifinals are going on right now. And you can just imagine how much training goes into some of those people. Uh, this one guy, Steph Curry, you know, he, his father was a basketball player. So from, you know, this high... He, and, and he works, you know, these people work out constantly. You know, uh, there's one person who's injured right now, a guy named Cousins, and he's, they say he's in the gym, working just in the gym constantly, trying to get his body back in shape so that he can play. So it takes so much training to, be, uh, to play basketball on that level. And so few people play basketball on that level. You know, it's, it's not exactly manusyanam sahasreshu. <laughs> You know, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that out of many people, very few. But you know, each team has 15 players, and there's only what 30 teams, maybe. So that's 500 people 
out of all the players, uh, basketball players in the world, make it to that level. And a lot of it has to do with training. So um, we need to train. We have a different kind of training. But we shouldn't think that it, it's, it's any less vigorous to attain spiritual perfection than to, you know, become a member of the Golden State Warriors or whatever. So that we have to train our mind that really the only thing that will truly make me satisfied, truly make me happy, is if I concentrate my mind on Krishna's happiness. It is such an interesting um, uh, uh, inverse proportion, right? It's, it's uh, that the more we really just go for our own enjoyment, the more it's, it's just out of our reach. And the more we focus on Krishna's enjoyment, the more we become, we become happy. The example is of pouring water on the root of a tree, then the tree flourishes. And if you try to pour water on each leaf, the tree ultimately dies or you know, withers away because you didn't nourish the, 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 the center. So our endeavors for enjoyment are like you know, taking a little, uh, what's it called? Tweezer, uh, you know, you, where you eye drop, you know, the, the, and just put drops of water on each leaf. <laughs> Could you imagine going out there with those trees and just get a ladder, right? <laughs> It really doesn't work. It doesn't flourish. So we also don't flourish by trying to our little efforts at our, our selfishness as opposed to if we become selfless and serve uh, the personality of Godhead. So this, this is a training of the mind because the mind uh, tends to forget. We might come to a class and we remember it and then a half hour later we forget. And, you know, um, so we have to be regularly reminding us. Uh, that. So if you could just imagine... Um, the extent uh, of training it takes to be a uh, world-class athlete and then think that we need to apply that kind of training, you know. Although it's easier in one sense because Krishna helps us. And, you know, it's a relationship. It's not just sweating. But still, there, there's some parallel there. Any thoughts? Yes. Uh, one second. Do we have a microphone? Yes. Hi. Uh, thank you. Uh, the question that I have is, uh, Krishna says that uh, each person acts not based on his own, I mean, he's not free to act by himself, but his actions are uh, directed by the three, mixture of the three gunas. Right. Right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the person has to strive to uh, gain at least a little bit of bhakti to start this. Uh, okay, so far so good, yes. Right. So, how the two things are slightly conflicting. So, if a person is like extremely dominated by, say, the Tamoguna or right. Rajaguna, he would find it very hard, even if he, say, wants to uh, be a devotee, he would find it very hard to start. Uh -huh. And I think I'm suffering from that problem. <laughs> okay. So, so I wanted uh, your thoughts on... Well, first it's good to know that it's natural. You're not experiencing, you know, it's not about, it's not about you. Um, people, people in, devotee, devotees in general have that, that challenge. Um, and it's nice that you're coming to that realization 
because that is actually really the start of a very powerful devotional service is when we realize that uh, I can't do this on my own. And that, you know, the, the, the nice example, uh, you know, where are you from in India? Pune. Pune, okay. So in Pune you'll see. I like Pune, by the way. It's a nice place. A lot of universities there. And I, I often go from Bombay to Pune and stop in Lonawala for the cheeky. Right? You know, let's <laughs> but anyway. Um, I, I came back only yesterday. Acha, <laughs> really? Yeah. Welcome back. It must have been very hot. It is, it, but I mean, luckily the time I spent there, it was, uh, I was spared the summer. And not, it was not as horrible as it okay. was before I left. Okay, good. Well, welcome back. <laughs> um, but the, you know, that simple example of the, uh, the person on the bicycle holding on to the uh, tractor and just like, not having to do any work, just the tractor's doing, all, doing the hard work, right? His only work is to hold on, right? We see that in India, right? So similarly, if we hold on to Krishna's lotus feet, then our, our, the main thing we have to do is keep holding, and he can help us gradually uh, rise from tamagun, rajagun, sattvagun, spiritual. But it's, it's, uh, we really need Krishna's energy, we need, there's two things, right? We need uh, our endeavor and Krishna's uh, help. Uh, but of the two, uh, the uh, Krishna's help is the most powerful. But still we have to, like we were just talking about, we have to do our training. But with the idea that really Krishna helped me. So therefore in the second verse of the uh, Shikshastakam, the, the prayers that Lord Chaitanya wrote, himself, he, he says at the end of the second verse, he says, Nanuragaha, he says, I have no, uh, I'm so unfortunate that although the holy names are so powerful, I, I don't have a taste for it. I, 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 I commit offenses, I don't have a taste. And therefore, the next verse is, therefore I should be humble. And that humility means taking shelter of Krishna. And then, then it becomes uh, possible. So, so the point is, as long as we're depending on our muscle, forget about it. But Krishna's muscle, he's the most powerful. Is that all right? Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. And, that, and so Krishna can tell the modes of material nature, chalam. Because it, for me, it comes in waves. Like I'm some, sometimes yeah. I'm very high in that spiritual mood. Sometimes it's like... The that, it's natural. It's called anishtita. Bhakti. Uh, nishta means fixed. Yeah. Anishita means not steady. Sometimes up, sometimes not so up. So, but it's, uh, it's, not a, it's not unusual, but at the same time, we can endeavor to, um, to make the nishta more prominent and the anishta happen less. Okay? All right? Thank you. Yeah? Other thoughts? Yes. Also, I was thinking about that modes. Um, it depends upon me contemplating upon the sense objects and then reaching out and touching it. It brings me under the control of the material modes. Otherwise, I can just be engaged in who am I truly and then the activities that follow with that idea, then I am sheltered. Yes. But the moment I reach out and then start 
oh, this looks attractive, that looks attractive. And even just contemplating on that and then slowly it leads to attachment yes. to do, do that activity to obtain that. Then, say, material modes are going to say, ah, I, now I've got you. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's like uh, there was an old song that went, uh, walk on by, walk on by. So that's kind of like what our attitude should be to sense objects. We see something attractive in this world that we know isn't good for us. Walk on by. <laughs> you know? Even things for our health, right? You know, if you're, if you're going to take a snack, don't buy potato chips, buy you know, almonds or something like that. <laughs> and of course, offer them to Krishna. But you know, we, um, it's easier to control our environment than to control our senses. So we try to create an environment in our life that isn't tempting, but, but is more sattvic. That's another answer to your question. We try to create a life that's more sattvic. Right? I met a person once who said, I did all my rajarsic and tamasic things at night. So then he decided to take rest at 7.30 and get up at 1.30 every day and then do his spiritual practices early in the morning. And that way just create, now that, that's extreme, I realize, but um, just create an atmosphere where it's less, um, where the modes of material nature are less. So we can think about that in our lives. How do, we, how do we spend our 24 hours? When do we wake up in the morning? What do we eat? Who do we associate with? What do we drink? What, what, what do we do at different times of the day? Do we um, do some exercise to keep the body fit? Do we take time at the right, especially in the morning hours, to chant Hare Krishna, to study the Shastra, things like that? Um, it's, it, it's easier to control the environment than our senses. Because if our senses are, uh, if there's an opportunity to gratify them, we usually go for it. <laughs> yes, yes. Krishna says that all glorious, beautiful, opulent creations spring but a spark from my, my splendor. splendor. Yes. So if we see something attractive or beautiful, we say that okay, this is really nothing yeah. compared to Krishna. So you know that mindset we can right. manipulate ourselves saying, yeah. That's remembering scoff Krishna. Scoff it, you know. Yeah. Scoff at that. That's nice. So. Yeah. And you know whatever what we do regularly has a bigger impact than what we do occasionally. So therefore, developing actually good habits that we can do day in and day out, that has a much bigger impact in our life than you know, every now and then doing this or doing that. But uh, it's, it's our habits that are almost 50% of our life, or they say 45% of our life, that if we get into good habits, um, they become habitual. <laughs> and, that, and habits make things easy to do. If we get in the habit, for example, of chanting every day, then it, you, know, it's, you don't have to think about it. You just do it, right? If you get in the habit of doing some exercise, you just do it. If you get in the habit of eating properly, and, and before we eat, offering our foods, vegetarian foodstuffs to Krishna, right? So a lot of life is just really thinking about what habits we do, which ones we want to get rid of, which ones we want to uh, really get absorbed in, and, and working on those. Because um, it has such an impact on our life. Anything else?
Okay. Then the next verse. Oh, wait, there was some more. Uh, the Lord's... Oh, <laughs> no, that, that's good enough for that. Verse 31. My Lord, due to your illusory energy, all living beings in this material world have forgotten their real constitutional position. And out of ignorance, they are always desirous of material happiness in the form of society, friendship, and love. Therefore, please do not ask me to take some material benefits from you, but as a father not waiting for the son's demand does everything for the benefit of the son, please bestow upon me whatever you think is best for me. So again, it's that point. It's not what I want. It's what you think is best for me. This word, society, friendship, and love, you see, I think we talked about this before. Uh, it, it appears a lot in Prabhupada's writings, his translations, and it comes from a, um, uh, a poem about, uh, anyone remember Robinson Crusoe? Yeah, Robinson Crusoe? So the person who was stuck on an island? So it's a poem about the actual person, I forget his name. Uh, Shelkirk, was, was he the poet or was he the uh, person stuck there? Alexander Shelkirk, I think his name was. So he was stuck on an island for four years, right? And um, he was always like wanting to go back to England and go to the parties that he would, you know, and meet the people. So he was like uh, absorbed in society, friendship, and love. So Prabhupada kind of got it. Instead of like seeking God, he was like, I can't wait to go back and party with my friends. <laughs> Text 32. So Maitreya is speaking to Vidura. And uh, the great sage, Maitreya, no, is Maitreya speaking to Vidura? Yes. yes. Uh, continued by saying that the Lord, the seer of the universe, after hearing Prithimaraj's prayers, addressed the king. My dear king, may you always be blessed by engaging in my devotional service. What a nice blessing. May you always be absorbed in bhakti. Only by such purity of purpose as you, your, as you yourself very intelligently express can one cross over the insurmountable illusory energy of maya. So there you go. There's just what the answer to your question. Right? Insurmountable. So it's so interesting that, that this juxtaposition, daivi hiesha gunamayi mamamaya dharatiyaya, that uh, this daivihyesha, this, this material energy of Krishna's daivihyesha gunamaya, made up of gunas, the three modes of material nature, uh, daivihyesha gunamaya, mama, it's my energy, mama maya dharatiya, it's very difficult to overcome. But then, uh, what's the next Mamevye prapadyante mayami tamtran. But, so it's impossible and it's very easy. If one prapadyante, if one surrenders to Krishna, then no problem. So it's, a, it's such an interesting verse. It's almost like really impossible, really easy, all in the same verse. <laughs> like that. The next verse, 33, says, My dear king, O protector of the citizens, henceforward be very careful to execute my orders and not be misled by anything. Anyone who lives in that way, simply carrying out my orders faithfully, will always find good fortune all over the world. And then the last part of the purport, Prabhupada writes that anyone who directly executes such an order from the personality of Godhead is actually a religious person. Others are described as pretenders, for, uh, for there are many activities going on throughout the world in the name of religion which are not actually religious. For one who executes the orders of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, however, there is only good fortune throughout the world. 
So what do you think are some examples, Hare Krishna, some examples of something going on in the name of religion that is not religious? If you'd like to sit in the chair, no problem. If you're more comfortable, as you like. What, what, some examples of things that are, that, you know, not that we want to criticize others, but, people, but that's clearly said in the name of religion and is not religious at all. Can you think of any examples? ISIS. ISIS? Okay, yes. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you know, yes. Okay, yes, sir. So, one point that, I, that, that came to my mind was... Uh, oh. Oh. Well, get a, hold on, get a microphone here. Yeah. Now he's at stereo microphones. So, one point that came to my mind was, like, in a lot of overseas, like, other, like, third world countries, right? So, let's say, um, like, you know, there are a lot of peoples, but they... They have been converted in Christian just because they have been bought by paying them, and you know, right. even though that's not their faith. But like a lot of the other like NGO, other agency that goes there, and then they try to just, oh yeah, I'll take your son, daughter, I'll give them education, this and that. But in return of that, I want you to practice our religion. Right. So like bribing people Correct. to practice a religion, Correct. almost. Correct. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, that's a very good example. What else? Any others? But yes, yeah, right. Someone who's uh, someone who claims to be religious mainly for political, mainly so that he'll get he or she will get votes. Right? Yeah. Someone who claims to be God. Right? Because really, uh, Prabhupada, you know, he would. Some people tried to tell him that he was God. He said, you know, he was he was very strong. Because the, the Shastra is very strong about this. So he would, be, he would be so strong that he said, if someone claims to be God, G-O-D, he's really more like dog, D-O-G. Right? Because really, God is God. We're the servants of God. And Prabhupada was very clear that he's, you know, he, he, we, we, we respect the guru, not because he's God, but because he's giving us access to God, because he's a, he's a great servant of God. So just like um, he would give the example. Has anyone here been to Juhu Beach? Okay, so at least uh, in, in Juhu, it's uh, north, north, north of Bombay, north of Mumbai. Um, it's a wealthy area, right? So he was sometimes walking with his disciples on Juhu Beach. And I've told this story many times, but because there's some people who haven't heard it, um, uh, that if there's a rich person walking with his son, right? And what can you do to satisfy that rich person? He already has Mercedes. He already has a bungalow by, right on the uh, Indian Ocean. You know, big businessman. What can you do? Not, not a, right? What can you give him, right? But if you give his son a one rupee suite and the son smiles, oh, thank you, that was so nice then you've so much, you please the father so much, right? The father, you know, we're so pleased. So similarly, uh, you know, what can we, if, when, we, when we serve a devotee of Krishna, then Krishna becomes pleased. So that's why we have respect for other devotees and special respect uh, for the guru and special, special respect for the founder, Srila Prabhupada. Not because he's God, but because... He's a servant of God, and we would like to get his blessing. So not that we, that we don't want his blessing so we become God. We want his blessing so we can become a servant of God like him. Right? So uh, 
I was thinking, so guru as God is 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 thing. And also, um, Prabhupada would be strong about this, that some religions say, thou shall not kill. But there's so much animal slaughter going on in the world, unnecessarily. We can... We can uh, feed so many more people if we grow grains and vegetables, etc., for humans instead of grow grains to feed to animals and then kill the animals. Right? So, uh, and then I was thinking of um, some people take drugs and in their drug-induced state think that that's a spiritual bliss. Right? Um, and then, you know, spiritual teachers who exploit their followers... Because that's easy to do in one sense because followers are like, yes, what can I do? How do you know, right? And they have to be careful not to exploit them like that. And even uh, um, there's churches in America called prosperity churches. Anyone familiar with that term? And basically just say that if you really want to become rich, you, you know, God's main blessing is giving you wealth. Now, God may give you wealth by, you know, due to our karma, and things, we may get wealth, we may not get wealth. But the point is that we have much, like we said a few minutes ago, there's something much greater than material wealth. And that is our uh, eternal loving relationship with the Lord. So I just thought, that, so it's good to be, you know, to be on our guard, to really find true dharma, to find true, true religion. Um, uh, in Srila Prabhupada's guru, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, he said... In this material world, there's two categories of people, the cheaters and the cheated, right? And sometimes, yeah, so uh, we want to be neither. We want to be with sincere people who are actually uh, have a sincere desire to achieve uh, spiritual consciousness. Right? Isn't that what we want? Everyone wants to be with uh, like-minded people that are trying their best and are honest and... Uh, Faithful, like that. Yes, Prabhu, you were about to say something? Yeah, you, you were asking in the name of uh, religion. World. So one of the big thing was the caste system in India. Mm. Very good, yes, the caste system in India, uh, as opposed to Varnashrama Dharma. Right, so the caste system became like, if you, have the la if you have a good last name, Sharma, Trivedi, Chaturvedi, like that, and then... You're on the top of the uh, triangle, right? Um, but, but in other words, that your position in society was based on your birth. Whereas Krishna very clearly in the Gita says uh, that it's based on your guna and karma. Yeah. By the qualities of your activities, uh, guna and your, act and your activities, your qualities and your activities. Right, so yes, thank you for that. So good, good list. Another one, uh, microphone. Um, well, austerities performed under the mode of passion and ignorance come under the so-called religious acts, but not exactly religion. I guess, yeah. If you could say that, you know, you're going on a hunger strike for something material rather than, you know, um, yeah. Because there are some cases where people sit down and they have the coconuts broken on their head and their heads get broken in the process. Achha. Hare Krishna. Really? 
Yeah? Tantric thing, yeah. yeah. So bhakti is simple. Bhakti just is the sincerity of the heart, but not just sentimental. It's, um, there's a verse, uh, Shruti, 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 Puranadi, Pancharatravi, that uh, it's based on Krishna's teachings, not just making up something, but based on the Bhagavad Gita, based on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, so bhakti is not sentimental. Actually, we saw, that's why we often use the word, and Srila Prabhupada's name was Bhakti Vedanta. Vedanta means knowledge, and bhakti means devotion. When you combine the two, you have right activities. But if you just have knowledge without devotion, it, can, it comes pretty dry. And if you just have devotion without knowledge, it's, it can be very sentimental. So the combination of, of um, faith and knowledge and, and understanding is, is really important. Is that all right? TK? Continue? You've seen that in India, that, that going on in other places, this, uh, you know. Actually, actually, even Prabhupada said that even in, um, in World War II, it would happen. That, uh, was it World War, or was it before World War, or after World War II? The communists would say, uh, well, this was actually to not encourage religiosity, but actually atheism to encourage people to take more to communism. He said, that, I don't know where he saw this, maybe he saw it in India, maybe in because ben, Bengal, West Bengal was commun, is, has a lot of communists, right? But he said that they would say, you pray to your God for daily bread, go ahead, pray. Where's your bread? Now pray to us, here's your bread. And they'd have these truckloads of bread. And you know, simple villagers, you know, wouldn't, uh, not sophisticated or literate, well, I pray to the I pray to the comrade and I get my bread. Is it is it on? You have to press the button sometimes till it's green. Hello. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of the caste, like same thing exists in Nepal as well. Ah, so are you from Nepal? Are like yeah, I'm from Nepal. So there's like touchable and untouchable. Ah. So nowadays, like it's a bit different, but a few years ago, like there is there, there used to be an issue, like you know how you have to be raised in Brahmin family mm. to go to temple to do puja, right? right? If you are not born in Brahmin family, then it's difficult for you because the society thinks something else. Right. So exactly. Yeah, that's uh, some barriers even in religious. Yes. So therefore. Uh Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, incarnation of Krishna, who appeared 500 years ago, said that, you know, just Hariya Nama, Hariya Nama, Hariya Nama, Eva Kevalam, Kalo Nasteva, Nasteva Katir. But if by chanting Krishna's name, um, one is elevated, elevated beyond the caste system to, to transcendence. So, yes, it's, it's, and it's very sad, right? Because right. Krishna says also, um, Vidya Vinaya Sampane Brahmane Gavihastini Suni Chaiva Sopakecha Pandita Sabmadarshina. He said that we're supposed to see everyone equally lower caste, higher caste animals, right? Uh, this, that, because everyone is our brother and sister, because everyone is uh, son, son or daughter of God. So, so this, uh, there are distinctions in this world. Right? Like, you wouldn't want to, somebody just claims to be a doctor but never went to med school, you probably wouldn't want to have them operating on you. Right? 
Right, yeah. So there are qualifications and distinctions on the material platform. And that's why the original, the, the origin of the caste system was something divine, uh, where there was just different categories of occupations so that society could run smoothly. But that was on the, that's on this level. But on this level, everyone is equal. Everyone is equal. Uh, it's up to us to take advantage of that. Of Krishna, but Krishna is there for everyone. Did you want to add something yet? Yeah. Yes, Hare Krishna. Hundred years ago, in India, they you, used do you to remember a hundred years ago? I mean, I heard. Oh, I heard. okay. okay. Uh, in India, they used to follow this Varnashrama very well, like Brahmanas, Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, and Shudras. And they would take care of Shudras as their children. Yes, that's right. In my grandfather's house, there used to be people who, uh, there's a Telugu term I don't remember. They would stay in, in my grandfather's house. They would have their food and then they would work. Mm -hmm. And their children would go to school. It's not that, okay, servant children are not allowed to go to school like that. <laughs> but what happened now was that yes. after their children who were living in my grandfather's house, they became multi-millionaires. <laughs> now, they have this gratitude when they see us, like my uncles or my mother, they have so much respect. Mm. That was the tradition at that right. time. But because of this politics, like Mataji said, yeah, it's, it's all gotten everything messed up. got screwed yeah. up because of the politics. Mm. It's interesting. It reminds me of almost something funny. And I think I've told this story also, but not everyone heard it. That um, Where Srila Prabhupada says, he's talking about devotees, right? Because we're servants of God, right? And that the servant enjoys almost on the same level as the master, right? So he was making that spiritual point. And then I remember I was reading that, and I was staying at a very well-to-do person's house in Delhi. I was doing some writing, so... Um, I, I try to find a quiet place, and they're well-to-do, and they live um, near, if anyone knows Delhi, uh, near Saket in South Delhi. So, um, so I saw the, 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 the owner of the house. The, he and his wife would go out and work all day. And the servants, after they left, they'd put on the television, they'd cook for themselves, have a big feast. <laughs> and you know, really, like they're out working and they're like, you know, kicking back. And then when they came home, <laughs> like this. But but, uh, but I was and I was watching all this, right? Because I was staying in the the house when people were coming and going, and I was seeing how the servants. And I, then I was reading, and the servant enjoys almost on the same level as the master. <laughs> okay, let's carry on. <clears throat> Text 34. The great sage Maitreya told Vidura, the Supreme Personality of God had amply appreciated the meaningful prayers of Maharaj Prithu. Thus, after being properly worshipped by the king, the Lord blessed him and decided to depart. Was this one of the ones we're supposed to read? Yes, okay. Um, so... Prabhupada writes, More, most important in this verse are the words prati nand yar tavad vachaha, which indicate that the Lord appreciated the very meaningful prayers of the king. 
When a devotee prays to the Lord, it is not to ask for material benefits, but to ask the Lord for his favor. He prays that he may be engaged in the service of the Lord's lotus feet, birth after birth. So, and then Prabhupada says, Lord Chaitanya therefore uses the words mama janmani janmani, which mean birth after birth, because the devotee is not even interested in stopping the repetition of birth. He's only interested in Krishna's blessing. So this point about prayer is, um, is very important. Uh, in the book, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which Prabhupada translated as Nectar Devotion, it, there's 64 items of bhakti. And one of them is called um, vigyapti, which means submission. And it means um, making personal prayers. Right? And then the next item is about uh, reciting notable prayers from the Shastra. So in other words, there's two different kinds of prayers, you could say. Those that have been made previously by great devotees. So those are very nice to repeat because they're full of their realization. And our own prayers. Because Krishna's a person, we're a person. We can make our own prayers uh, to, to, to Krishna. Um, what's being suggested here is uh, not to pray for uh, material things, but ultimately to pray for Krishna's blessings, uh, that we can enter into a deeper relationship with him. Right Now, in one place, Prabhupada says that it's kind of natural sometimes, every now and then, a householder, uh, a married person may, you know, who has a home and everything, may ask the Lord for some material thing, but he actually feels guilty about that because he knows that's not really... It's like asking for... You know, some broken glass instead of asking for the greatest gem, right? But we know, we, let's be realistic. We know many people go before the deities on Sunday and, you know, give me a house by the sea, Swami Jai Jagadish Hari. <laughs> right? Give my wife a new sari <laughs> and a 70-inch color TV, <laughs> right? Like that. Um, but ultimately, uh, it's not. We will get those things according to our karma, according to what we deserve, and our, and our endeavor. But it's 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 just like uh, you know, um, asking. It's, it's just not. We Krishna can give us so much more. He can give us his his devotional service because really that's what satisfies the heart. And I think we all know, we've all either experienced when we were children or even now, that's something we really meditated on. We wanted that, that toy when we were a child or we wanted that whatever it is, fill in the blank when we're an adult. And once we get it, the, only, the main pleasure we get out of it is showing it off to other people and making them feel less. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Sometimes we do it. Right? Like that. But especially in the, this area where so many well-to-do people, kids get the, the toy that they want at Christmas time or Hanukkah, and then it's on the shelf by January 15th often. <laughs> I noticed that. My, with my, my, my brother's a nice person, a very nice person, but I saw him with his kids growing up. He lives just nearby. So, But prayer is... Uh, it's a real thing. Now, you know, some person may, does it really, does God, does Krishna really listen to us? Um, but actually prayer, 
takes some time. It you know, you're talking about the mode of passion and goodness. It's good to be sattvic, to slow down and make time for prayer to Krishna. Not like, okay, I got 20 seconds, Krishna. This is what I want. Right? Bas, okay. Right, you know. But really, to spend some time with the deities, spend some time at, at home uh, with, with a picture of Krishna or if you have deities at home and enter into mood of prayer. Mm. Um, if you study Christian monks, right, they'll, they'll spend hours and hours and hours sometimes in, in, in prayer. And we can maybe get some inspiration from, from that. Right? Um, that... Uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, the saying goes: "Act as if everything depends on us, and pray as if everything depends on God." For that, you can also turn that around: "Act as if everything depends on God, and pray as if everything depends on us." <laughs> you can also do that. The first one is the, the standard one, right, that you hear. But it, it, but entering into a relationship with Krishna, part of it is. That prayer, mm-hmm. like that. Prayer, prayer is a powerful. It's one of the. There's nine practices of bhakti, and one of them is called what's it in Sanskrit? Vandanam, offering prayers. So prayer is powerful, but you know, and Krishna will reciprocate. But you know what usually happens? Let's be honest. We generally pray when things are going bad. Right? What's that saying? Uh, no, no atheists in the foxholes, right? You know, in, in, in war. So that's often when it's, things are really bad, and we, we and we really tried everything and nothing worked. Then okay, yeah, that's fun. That's called uh, in the Bhagavad Gita called Sukritina, Chaturvarnyam. No, Chaturvidha Bajante Mam Jana Sukritina Arjuna. That four kinds of people approach God. Um, the desire of wealth, the uh, distressed, the inquisitive, and those who really just want knowledge of the absolute. <clears throat> and the, uh, so the arto and artarti in Sanskrit, the desire of wealth and the distressed, um, the only challenge is that sometimes after they get what they want, they say, thanks a lot, Krishna. See you later. <laughs> right? And, you know, but so, they say, so it says that at least the, uh, the Arto and Artarti should at least become uh, jigyasu, inquisitive, and try to make some steps. So in other words, you know, like, like in a simple point of view, in the simple way to put it, we should be grateful. We go to God with some distress, some relief is there, and then we should show our gratitude. Not like, see you next time I have a problem. Right? But actually uh, having some sincere approach to Krishna like that. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, because Krishna, ultimately, after those verses, he, he, he'll say that um, the one who's just approaching me basically out of love, he's by far the most dear to me. Bahunam jamanam antante jnana mam prabhajante vasudeva sarvam iti samahatma sudrolava that the real mahatma is that who approaches me um, well uh, with just a desire to with no material desires some thoughts on that on about prayer
Coachella. Coachella? Coachella. Coachella. Krishna's friend. Ah. Sudama, yeah, Krishna's friend. Uh, who, I mean, went with some material desire. Yes. But seeing his friend, he never even thought of uh, opening his mouth. Right. And yet, uh, Krishna responded. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it was actually mainly his wife's desire, right? His wife was like, come on, you know. <laughs> you have this great, wealthy friend who's... Yes. So we may not, you know, go home after being at the temple and all of a sudden our house got remodeled, you know, <laughs> and things like If Krishna wants, it can happen. But, but yes... Um, but the thing was, but I think your main point was that wasn't what he asked for. He, he almost like, oh darn, I forgot, you know, right, to ask for that. He, he just was, uh, became so much humbled yeah. by seeing his friend that he didn't know, he thought that if he asks something, it will be like too embarrassing to him. Right, right. And then Krishna, like, he was, he didn't want to even give, he, all he could afford was some little chip rice, right? And he was so ashamed to give it to Krishna, right? But Krishna grabbed it, right? And, and ate it. And, and then uh, he was going to eat more, and then was it uh, Rukmini said, that's enough. <laughs> like that, yes. So, um, yeah. And, and if you read, for example, Srila Prabhupada's prayers when he was on the Jaladuta and when he, uh, the, the boat that took him to America, or when he arrived in Boston Harbor, there's such deep devotional sentiment there. Very, very powerful. So he was, and he, and in those prayers were uh, long prayers. They weren't, you know, so he took, again, the time to not only come up with the prayers, but write them down. So that's something I hadn't thought of till just now. Maybe we can also write our prayers down, as he did. Of course, he's special, but um, write our prayers down uh, to the Lord. I know someone who does that. They write their prayers and they offer it to their home deities. Just leave it there for the day. One, one, one stanza was, uh, make me dance, O Lord, make me dance as you like. Right. <laughs> he said, somehow this America is just filled with Rajas and Thomas. Uh, how can I, it's a, actually an interesting prayer based on your question. How, he said, how can I do this? But he said, but you are the, what are the greatest mystic? Is that the word he says? You, so he basically turns to Krishna and says, you can do anything. You can make my words worthy of hearing. Um, and then he signs it, your most insignificant beggar. So that is a perfect example of, uh, of a devotee's prayer. So we can get a lot of inspiration from his prayers, from Arjuna's prayers in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, um, Queen Kunti's prayers um, in the 8th chapter of the first canto. What are some other notable prayers? Prahlad Maharaj's prayers. Yeah, I've, actually, I'm just, well, no, I just finished reading those. Or is that coming? I'm, right now I'm reading um, Prahlad's uh, teaching his friends. Demonic friends. His demoniac friends. Yes, I forgot about that part. <laughs> Maharaj, do you have the microphone? Yes, I was actually going to make a comment, but you just elaborately covered it. Like, we learn so much by reading prayers of great personalities, especially Srila Prabhupada's prayers how to pray with the right attitude, or what exactly, how should we pray? Mm. Uh, in general, the general conception of prayer most of us have is asking, you know, asking right. for some material benedictions. And 
placing our heart and mind at lotus feet of Lord. Whatever flaws we have, please just accept as we are and now please mm -hmm. give us this as this. And then we read in Bhagavatam and other places how in the right mood, at the very least we can be grateful for what we have received. Mm. And then, you know, in spite of all adversities, how great personalities have been praying. Yes, and nice. The examples which you gave in addition to that, you know, Brahma's prayers. Brahma's prayers for creative energy. Gajendra's yeah. prayers. And the Brahma Samhita. Gajendra's, yes. Yes, I mean, nice. they're beautiful prayers, all yeah. the gopis' prayers. And one of our main prayers can be, um, please give me devotional service. Yes. Right? Prabhupada, one time somebody said, um, I can't remember the exact, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but uh, the, should we think of ourselves as devotees? And Prabhupada said, no, we should think of ourselves as servants. Right? So that's why we have uh, uh, Amy, Bhaktin Amy here, who's her, her main service is uh, engaging volunteers in devotional service like that. So if we have time, we can go to her and say, Amy, what can I do for uh, Shishi Radha Madan Mohan? Right? We, we thought it was so important that we gave a devo one devotee, a resident devotee, full-time engagement as the uh, volunteer coordinator to give other people the opportunity to serve Krishna. So that's our, that should be our prayer. How can I serve you? And one of our prayers. We can say so many prayers. As you said, so many beautiful prayers are there. So many. And what's interesting, I, I haven't, a friend of mine did this, and it's been a long time since I've read it, but... He did an, ana an analysis of the prayers in the Bhagavatam, and apparently they follow a certain pattern. Like that. Hmm. Even Arjuna, one of them, I mean, it's very interesting, right? This Brahmastra is coming at him full speed. And, you know, if it was me, I'd just go, ah, help, right? You know, that's what I would probably do, Krishna. But before he does that, he spends three or four shlokas uh, versus glorifying Krishna. And then he basically says, and by the way, he probably said them really fast, right? Because Brahmas was going fast. But anyway, very powerful um, that Arjuna did that. Anything else? Shall we carry on then? Um, text 35 and 36. King Prithu worshipped the demigods, the great sages, the inhabitants of Prithri Loka, the inhabitants of Gandharva Loka, and those of Siddha Loka, Charana Loka. I haven't... I haven't, are you familiar with this one? Panaga Loka, Kinara Loka, Apsaro Loka, the earthly planets and the planets of the birds. He also worshipped many other living entities who presented themselves in the sacrificial arena. With folded hands, he worshipped all these, as well as the supreme personality of Godhead and the personal associates of the Lord by offering sweet words and as much wealth as possible. After this function, they all went back to their respective abodes following in the footsteps of Lord Vishnu. I think we'll continue. Um, the infallible Supreme Personality of Godhead, having captivated the minds of the king and the priests who were present, returned to his abode in the spiritual sky. King Prithu then offered his respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the Supreme Lord of all demigods. Although not an object of material vision, the Lord revealed himself to the sight of Maharaj Prithu. After offering obeisances to the Lord, the king returned to his home. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fourth canto, 12th, 20th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the next chapter, instructions by Prithu Maharaj.
The great sage Maitreya told Vidura, when the king entered his city, it was very beautifully decorated to receive him with pearls, flower garlands, beautiful cloth, and golden gates, and the entire city was perfumed with highly fragrant incense. Haribol! Fragrant water distilled from sandalwood and aguru herb was sprinkled everywhere on the lanes, roads, and small parks throughout the city. And everywhere were decorations of unbroken fruits, flowers, <coughs> uh, wetted grains, varied minerals, and lamps, all presented as auspicious paraphernalia. At the street crossings, there were bunches of fruits and flowers, as well as pillars of banana trees and betel nut branches. All these combined, decorated everywhere, looked very attractive. As the king entered the gate of the city, all the citizens received him with many auspicious articles like lamps, flowers, and yogurt. The king was also received by many beautiful unmarried girls whose bodies were bedecked with various ornaments, especially with earrings that collided with one another. When the king entered... Okay, so just uh, one thought that, that struck me. Um, I was studying. I was in um, Chicago last week in Naperville, the temple there, and I was speaking about Mother's Day. And um, so this reminds us a little bit of when Lord Ram returned, Lord Ram returned to Ayodhya, right? And a similar greeting was there, right? Just all the citizens and all the auspicious, perhaps even more so in Ayodhya than, than here, because um, it's Lord Ram. So Lord Ram walks in and he's, you know, all the citizens and, and then he sees Kosalya in the corner, his mom, crying, crying. So he just leaves the ceremony and just walks straight to his mother <laughs> and pays obeisances and embraces his mother. So uh, we see that Krishna in his incarnations, he's, they're really mama boys, as we might say, right? They, he, was so, he was so affectionate to his mother as, of course, uh, we see here with Krishna and Jashoda. And one of his favorite names is Yashoda Nandana, right? That's one of Krishna's favorite names to be called. And even uh, Kapila, who uh, was this great knowledge incarnation of the Lord, Shaktivesha Avatar, and he was preach speaking to his mother, Devahuti. And one of the one of his, you know, he was he was called one of his most affectionate names was Devahuti Putra. Right? Not just Kapila, but the son of Devahuti. Right? Not even so much his father, but his mother. Right, and then Dhruva Maharaj, when he was, uh, his mother was his Adi Guru, his first Guru that showed him the path to spiritual practices. That you, I've heard that you, you can find God in the forest, right? And he was so indebted to his mother that he was just about to, you know, get on the flower air, the airplane back to the spiritual world, and he said, "Time out." He said, "Wait, I can't, I can't go on this airplane unless my mother is also going." And then they say, they say, you know, look over there. <laughs> There's your mother. She's also she's on the runway also. <laughs> so there's so anyway a lot. Of, I just I was just thinking about that when we this reception for King Pritsu, and then Ram had this reception, and he went straight for his mom. When the king entered the palace, conch shells and kettle drums were sounded. Uh, priests chanted Vedic mantras, and professional reciters offered different prayers. But in spite of all this ceremony to welcome him, the king was not the least bit affected. 
Right? If someone even opens the door for us, we think, oh, they must understand how special I am. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but uh, the reception given to the king was full of opulence, yet he did not become proud. It is said, therefore, that great personalities of power and opulence never become proud. And the example is given that a tree which is full of fruits and flowers does not stand erect in pride, but instead bends downwards to show submissiveness. This is a sign of the wonderful character of great personalities. So this is... Um, um, Really, ultimately, the only way that we, we can try to act humble, oh no, I am nothing, right? I am lower than the worm in stool, right? We can say things like that, and it's good to, you know, what do they say, fake it till you make it? You know, it, it's good to act a little humble, and maybe gradually, day day you'll become humble. But really, real humility is, um, is, cur is cur pride is curved when we remember Krishna. Um, he says in Bhagavad Gita, Parusham Nishu, that he's the ability in all of us. Whatever abilities we have, and we all have abilities. We all have God-given abilities. Every one of us. We all have God-given abilities. Um, but we should remember the source of that ability. Right? So when we remember Krishna, and remember how great Krishna is, Aham Sarvastya Prabhavo Matas Sarvam He's the source of everything. Uh, he's the father of all of us. Right? When we remember that, it's, it's a lot harder to become proud. Right? But actually, in this world, it's easy to become proud. Srila Prabhupada would quote the saying that the, the pauper is proud of his penny. Right? We, so we can be proud of pretty much anything. You know, it doesn't take a lot to trigger our false pride. So ultimately, uh, being humility is a very spiritual. Uh, it's not just you know. It, it's it's more than it's more than that. It's it's actually a uh, deep spiritual conviction. That. Uh, and therefore, that's what the idea of the uh, Guru Parampara, we have these great pictures of the great teachers here in Srila Prabhupada, is that it's kind of like uh, nothing st sticks. <laughs> Let me explain that. Or kind of like, almost like, no, Teflon may be a bad example. But, you know, when you glorify a great devotee like Srila Prabhupada, he immediately passes that glorification on to his guru. And he passes it on to his guru. And that goes on parampara back to Lord Krishna. Right? Nothing kind of sticks. Oh, you know, I, yeah. No, yeah, my guru. Yeah, but a few things. Yeah, but you're right about me also. Right? Nothing. It's like, kind of like the bank teller. Right? The bank teller is dealing with so much money. Not, maybe not these days. So many things are cashless. But in the past, right? They do, but nothing's supposed to stick. They're not supposed to say, oh... $10 for you, one for me, right? You know, right? It's supposed to all pass on. So similarly, um, we, we feel, a devotee feels that he's made of uh, the Vaishnava's mercy, his spiritual master's mercy, and Krishna, Krishna's mercy. 
And so it's, again, it's a deep, it's not an artificial thing, it's actually quite a, so, so when you read Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, the author of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the biography of Lord Chaitanya, when he says that he, you know, uh, I'm lower than the worm and stool, he actually believes, he actually thinks like that. A great, great devotee thinks that everyone is a devotee except for me. It's, a real, it's, it's not, you can't artificially adopt that. But, but, the, but still, even, even in the association of devotees who we may not be totally free from pride, we may still have some pride, we may not be totally humble, we still try. And one of the things, one of the best ways to do that, I was just reading this... Uh, Yesterday, oh no, we read no, we read it last last week. Fourteen, sorry about this, but fourteen. It was um, Prabhupada was saying that that the practice of a devotee is to always glorify other devotees' service. I can't remember. I can't remember now where it was. Maybe it was twenty-seven. I'll see if I can find it real quickly. Otherwise, we'll. Hmm. I know I read it. Um, anyway, they just had that mood of appreciating other people's service. Right? That's such a uh, service to Krishna. And not being envious. If you see someone who's more advanced than you, well, you know, they're probably faking it or something. No, we can, we can understand that they struggled, like we may be struggling in a previous life or in this life to get to there. So, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, it, came, it was a free ride. So appreciation of other devotees' service is one is a great way to um, deal with our pride. Right? We can do that. We it's very nice to do that. We uh, I did a, we did a uh, this isn't exactly pride but um, I did an exercise once with a group of uh, senior devotees where we just put them in groups of two or three and asked them how they became interested in Krishna consciousness. It was actually a sangha of all the sannyasis, gurus, and GBCs in Mayapur this year, so I, and I was facilitating that. So I said, you know, just group, and they, they found it so enlivening. Even people they, they didn't know, or maybe they didn't even think they liked that much when they, when they heard about the sincerity that came out when they became interested in Krishna consciousness. It was so uh, inspiring to them. So... Um, our dealings should be in that way, appreciating uh, other devotees. Okay, anything, anything on this? About pride or humility? Or are you too humble to speak up? Yes, microphone. So like humility, uh, is it by practice? Uh, you said like we fake it and then we to make it. it to make it, or like after a self-realization, like you basically we all un like you know I understand that like you know I am uh, a tiny particle of part of right. and parcel of Krishna. Uh, we, is that so, that we have to meditate on that and then get realization? I think it can be both. It's not either or, right? Uh, Prabhupada would sometimes say that you you know you behave humble and it, you develop it. The other thing, of course, is realization, um, spiritualization. The third is to associate with other devotees. Um, yeah. So, uh, so fake it till you make it. At the same time, one time, 
I think it was Prabhupada or maybe it was his guru that, that were a little critical of what he called Dandavat devotees. Right? They would go around, Dandavat means paying obeisances, right? They go around paying obeisance to people all day, but they wouldn't do any practical service. <laughs> you know? So, uh, we are also meant to really, you know, go and wash some pots or go uh, mow the lawn or go do the, the puja or whatever it is. But um, also, Prabhupada very much appreciated that we kept busy in Krishna's service, you know, just not just going around. But, it, you know. But also a practice that, that has become a little less prominent in ISKCON is that when we saw, generally when you see a devotee, especially someone you hadn't seen in a while, you know, you pay obeisances to them. You know, bunch, and then you say the prayer, Vanchakalpa Trubhyascha Kripasandubhyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namunamaha So it wasn't either or, it's and. Um, humility and pridelessness is considered knowledge. As per oh, right. Lord Krishna That's right. in 13th chapter? Yeah. yeah. So, Amanitvam, Adamritvam. Nice point. Yeah. Yes, Matthew. So, Prabhu, um, as um, Prabhu asked about, uh, I'm thinking uh, about how to practice humility, and I'm also thinking about seven principles of spiritual advancement. So, the in, what principles? in Nectar of Instruction, the Seven principles. I didn't. Seven. Is it seven? Five. Seven. Right. I'm not sure, but go ahead. So anyway, like for example, you know, uh, keeping the right association, uh, you know, not doing over endeavor. Oh, the six. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The six, six favorable six and six unfavorable. Six yes. favorable. Yeah. Basically, for one who understands this knowledge, okay, I need to cultivate humility or any other trait which is favorable, so they would examine how I can do that and based on, to begin with, for example, mm. in knowledge of six principles, try to, you know, things develop, I guess, over time. Yes. Everything helps, having mm -hmm. the right, right association, not yes. doing the prohibited things and making the right efforts. Very good, yes. And, and also humility is following the, the Guru's instructions, ah, is, is a very clear sign of, of, uh, of humility. Yeah, because you know, a lot of people say, well, why do we have to have a guru? Why can't we just follow Krishna's instructions in the Bhagavad Gita? Um, the, the real answer to that is it's Krishna's system. He says, you want to come to me? Serve him. <laughs> what can you do? It's his system, right? But, but it's, it's, it's also natural, right, that one has, uh, we need teachers, Right? To learn anything in this world. In, in traditionally in, in, in Vedic times and in India, um, you had a you would your your ma you had a math guru, right? And a this or that guru, right? Astrology guru, not just for spiritual things. And even in that sense, you wanted uh, your advancement in understanding math or understanding anything is is getting that person's blessings. And you know, then they really reveal all their knowledge to you, but it was based on reciprocation. I think we see that, we, we can still sometimes see that in, in the West. Um, not, not like, you know, like the first physics class I had at University of Michigan was 450 students, so I don't think uh, there was much reciprocation with the professor <laughs> there. But I've seen in my own practice, in my own profession, that I had a, a, a mentor, you know, who was kind of a guru for that, for conflict resolution, not for 
Krishna consciousness. And uh, because I've developed such a great, w wonderful relationship with that person, um, they've, you know, um, I was able to do things that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to do, right? Like, like she arranged for me to speak at Harvard Law School twice. So who am I? I'm like nobody, right? But because uh, of that trusting relationship and uh, you know, working with her for so many years, she's an 83-year-old uh, MIT professor. Uh, she, you know, she arranged, no, you have to have Brian Block come and uh, give a lecture at your law school. Right? So there, there can be those you know, teacher relationships. What to speak of a guru, right, who's, uh, so that's Krishna's system that we, evam parampara praptam. I think I mentioned this before, and then we'll, we'll end. Oh, no, we still have time. Um, I went to the Vatican. Did I tell you that story here? So I went to the Vatican. Anyone been to the Vatican? Yeah? So in the basement, they have the tombs of the previous popes, one after another after another. And, you know, in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, in the second verse, Krishna talks about parampara. The parampara means, uh, literally means one after another. That's literally the Sanskrit, one after another, one after another. Uh, and in this case, it means that the spiritual knowledge comes from Krishna to Brahma and through the disciplic succession. Um, and, but it was so interesting to see it kind of visually in the tombs. I'm not saying they were, you know, we, we, we're not talking about the qualities of some of those popes and all that. But they have a very similar system, right? You, you, you point the next pope. And so just seeing it kind of physically like that was like, wow, you know? You know, it created a certain impression in my mind seeing that. So uh, Krishna says, evam param praptam imam rajarsayovitu. Right, that we attain this knowledge in the disciplic succession. So um, it is important. To, uh, so the guru is a, uh, a teacher, is a must to learn something. Any thoughts on, any other thoughts on that? Thank you for that comment. Yes? What you said is actually, I mean, Krishna Hold the mic like this. Ah, okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's so Krishna's that, system. Yeah, he, he says, all, like, go to the guru and do all service and ask him the ultimate question, not right. just uh, the questions for how you can live happily. Right, and the challenge That's is to find a bona fide guru, one whose only yeah. desire is to serve Krishna, or at least the desire to serve someone whose only desire is to serve Krishna. That yeah. has always been my question too. Like, uh, because you have to completely surrender to a guru, how do you find a guru whom you know will not like trip you off? Trip you up? Is that what you say? <laughs> because, because, because you have to, I mean, once you surrender to a guru, it has to be like a complete surrender. So whatever the guru says, you have to... That's a whole, uh, wow, five minutes left in this class uh, <laughs> discussion. But um, therefore, Srila Prabhupada would say that one should observe the, pers the uh, potential guru for over at least a year, at least that long. Jai Shishi Gornitai, Sitaram, Lakshman Hanuman, Shishi Radhamadhan Mohan. And it's reciprocal. It's not that just because you approach a guru, he has to accept you as a disciple. <laughs> he might say, oh, what is this? I don't want this guy as a disciple. <laughs> you know? uh, generally, he wouldn't because Lord Chaitanya's uh, uh, mood. 
but it, one should examine is this person uh, focused on serving their guru that's the main thing in one sense uh, and um, free you know uh, yeah that they are they're attached to Krishna and not attached to Maya basically um, there's a whole discussion on what level they should be on in, in, in ISKCON and all that. We won't, we won't get into that at this time. But it was, e it was so easy for us with Srila Prabhupada because it was so clear, you know, who's the 70-year-old person who's going to come on a steamship, have two heart attacks, have no money in his pocket, and just because his guru ordered him to do so, and then have all this amazing, you know, success and and just repeat Krishna's words without changing them, without all, you know, it was so clear that he was, uh, that he had no other desire than to serve his guru and Krishna. That kind of opportunity where you clearly can see a guru comes maybe once in a lifetime. Yes. And that is like, uh, you have to be lucky to be present in those times. So if yeah, you're so not we can, so lucky then... Well, the luck is that if we can find one of a person who's following Srila Prabhupada sincerely. And the, the luck in that is that Srila Prabhupada would often say that the grandfather is more merciful than the father. So in some ways, you know, we're fortunate to be grandchildren of Prabhupada's because the grandfather, you know, right? Isn't it like that? The father is like this, but the grandfather is like, ah, oh, yeah, yes, right? <laughs> right, we all, we all know. You're, you're not a grandfather yet, are you? Right. Anyone here a grandfather yet? Grandmother? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, so, so he said that. that. He said that about his guru. That he said, I'm very strict with you, but Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, he's more liberally giving blessings. So, uh, and we, the main thing, of course, is also to look in our own heart and try to make our heart worthy of uh, being connected with the parampara. So, so it is uh, that time. <laughs>